0: This is Dak Prescott, and you're listening to Faith on the Field Show. Welcome to Faith on the Field Show, presented by International Justice Mission. I'm Rob Motte with my beautiful wife, Remy. Great to be with you on all of our radio affiliates this week across the USA. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Hope you all had a great Turkey Day, Black Friday, and an awesome celebration with your families. Joining us this week will be Andrew Whitworth who was a four-time Pro Bowl left tackle. He was a two-time All-Pro with the Bengals, the Rams. Last year won a Super Bowl with the Rams. He is now retired and is part of Amazon Prime Video's Thursday night football team. Andrew was the Walter Payton Man of the Year last year. And he's all about philanthropy and giving and his faith really Sets that tone for him, guides him in doing that. And I thought on our Thanksgiving episode, we can just talk about what it means to give, what it means to be thankful, what it means to be grateful. And you always post, right? Everybody's posting on Thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. What do you think of those words? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. How often during the course of our day do we actually take a minute to, to think and say, God, you're so good. I do. I know you I, do. I kind
1: of annoy him with that. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those annoying people.
0: He's, he's, there's so many, there's so much that we may overlook or we mm-hmm. may take for granted. And then you think about that and, and you go, you know, as as we sit here and we do this show and we record in our home studio and the walls in my office are plastered with, take a look, look at these pictures. Look at the. And I have this M-shaped, on the wall, mm-hmm. and it's pictures of the girls and the whole family, and it's it's trips that we've taken, and it's pictures on the beach, and it's them throughout their whole journey. You know, we and last week we did an episode on Fear No Evil, and there's uh there's mm-hmm. the girls wearing a t-shirt, and didn't even I notice know, that yeah, while we were yeah, I was just, yeah, I <laughs> while, just while we were you, doing yeah. while we were doing this show. Yeah. But but I I think of that and I go, man, God is so good, and how often do we just throughout the course of a day give give thanks thank you thank you for the little things thank you for the big things thank you for everything in between and i love when we talk to athletes and guys like andrew and you'll hear from him coming up about how the platform that we're blessed with is one that we should always use to to try and serve and give back and and help and and grow community and and shower people with with love and have that servant heart and have that servant mentality Thanksgiving is, I, I just, I love Thanksgiving. I love I this time of year. Th- this absolutely love Thanksgiving. Is, this is my favorite time of the year.
1: And it's not something that I, I grew up with. Like, I mean, when I moved here. You didn't know
0: about the pilgrims in, in there Egypt. There was no.
1: nothing like, we don't have any Thanksgiving. <laughs> we don't even have turkey in Egypt. Um, Wait, I didn't something. know that
0: now. We're 10 years into marriage. I didn't know you didn't have turkey. And-
1: we did not have turkey in Egypt. Turkey is not something we eat in Egypt. We eat chicken. We eat duck. We eat um, beef. Y'all eat some
0: weird stuff, too.
1: It's not weird. It's not weird. Some
0: people eat rabbit.
1: Uh, not me. Not okay. me. People eat rabbit here. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, but we don't, like, sacrifice a turkey or anything over there, like you guys do here. What's so
0: the <laughs> sacrifice of a turkey? It's not, like, bringing it. A-
1: Anyways, you guys... Got- well- We eat turkey now. I I did not, but I I didn't know.
0: No wonder you're not making me turkey throughout the year. It's like I only see turkey on Thanksgiving.
1: Because when I moved here, they said we have to have turkey on Thanksgiving. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And And
0: sometimes on Christmas.
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm not a turkey fan. See, I love turkey. I'm not a turkey fan. I feel like it's so much headache to just eat a meal. It's just, it's so yummy though. With some mashed potatoes. Okay. I mean, okay. So listen, it's good, right? Yes. If it's made correct, so what do you think of my turkey?
0: You make it. You make everything very. Thank you, darling.
1: You 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 really do understand the concept of marriage. I like that. Except
0: your meatballs. We've talked about. Listen, your meatballs have a little bit of an Egyptian flavor, so.
1: And therefore, I just buy them from the store, and it's amazing. Yeah,
0: or wait for my mom to make them.
1: Yeah, life works, you know. But turkey, (laughs) I make it, and I make it pretty good.
0: I love it. I I would just like to see it more than once a year.
1: That's not going to happen.
0: Okay, we digress. Back to Thanksgiving.
1: (laughs) 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 Sorry, y'all. But, um, yeah, Thanksgiving is awesome. It's just like a way of connecting with people you love and just having a nice, fun meal without being it really Christmas yet,
0: mm-hmm. you know, because
1: Christmas mm-hmm. is kind of an overwhelming time. Even though yeah. it's a fun time, it's overwhelming. And whoever is hosting, you just pray for them. You know, it's, it's we didn't just, have
0: this conversation because we hosted Christmas last year, first year in our new house. Yeah, I'm in not Florida. Uh, I don't
1: know. I'm not hosting.
0: Wait, what?
1: Yeah, I'm not hosting Christmas. No,
0: no. You made that decision already.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. That wow. Just, no. OK, I'm sorry. Lo- I love Christmas too much to like mm. do that. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. It's too well, much. there, yeah,
0: I, you've already announced it on Faith on the Field that you're not hosting Christmas. Okay.
1: Sorry, y'all. I'm just not mm. like I hosted it last year. I gotta get a break this year. You know. Okay. Um. So, what was I? You're this giving episode th- is all over the place. You're giving thanks. So I'm giving thanks for not hosting Christmas. Okay. No, I'm. I'm joking. I'm joking. No. Um. Seriously. I give thanks all day every day. I don't wait for Thanksgiving to give thanks. I literally annoy God with Thanksgiving all day long. Because, I don't think
0: there's anything wrong with that. Um, I like, think that's a great thing.
1: Like I, it's like to the point that I say like, "Thank you, Lord, for like hot water and like
0: you too running."
1: You, and even
0: the smallest things. Yeah,
1: and thank you, Lord, for like.
0: Okay, you know, can I share a quick little story that uh, yeah. I think is it, a beautiful little story? So, okay. the other day. And we, one of our daughters is um, into making videos and, and different things on, on, and she does a really great job with it. But, and editing stuff. Yeah and, yeah. and we wanted to upgrade her laptop to a computer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: desktop, that kind of thing. And, and both girls are really great at everything that they're doing, computer, like they're far more savvy than we are, which oh, is. Oh man,
1: yeah. We're like illiterate. I'm, I'm pretty dumb. Stuff. Yeah. But,
0: <laughs> but here, here's the cool thing. So, we've been waiting for the tech squad, I'll just call them that without giving away who they are, to come to set something up for us that we've had an issue with since we purchased the whole setup. And uh, called 11 days later is the first time they can come out. That 11th day came. They didn't show up. There apparently was a hurricane. We didn't feel it. But whatever. We didn't know. They missed the appointment. Next thing they say, well, we'll reschedule for 11 more days. Well, 11 more days. That's like 22 days in between. Like, I want to get this working for the kids. So I said, hey, can you give us a call if somehow you can squeeze us in? Anyway, I'm on the phone. I'm doing an interview, whatever. I get a call from them. Hey, we're in the area. We can come in the next hour. So I walk into it's It's now early. It's still early in the morning. The girls had just gotten up. And I walk into their bedroom. And I say to them, hey, Melina, Alexia, they're going to come over here to fix the computer within an hour. And, it, and they both looked at me with this astonished look. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, what? And they said, Daddy, we just prayed Aww. two minutes ago, and we specifically asked God if he can have someone come fix the computer today because we don't want to wait anymore and they literally start jumping up and down like <laughs> he answered our prayer he answered our pr-. like it was the most beautiful Aww. thing it's and,
1: like the pure faith like yeah
0: and they're like we should ask. And then they start like we should ask for stuff more often. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like we, we gotta we gotta oh, add, and, and you know and, and the cool thing is like when we pray they have these long elaborate prayers every day and Melina wants to be the first female president and she's been <laughs> on that now for like about two years she keeps it's, really she alone. hasn't let up on that yeah but what they're what they see, how we've raised them, how they've lived with us, how they're giving thanks in those moments, seeing you all day long, thankful mm-hmm. for this, thankful for that, thankful mm-hmm. for this. Something happens, you're driving, oh my gosh, you don't get hit, you see the thank you God for, mm-hmm. for all all that stuff. They're in that moment, and they wake up and they decided to pray for this. This <laughs> the computer that, and here it happens for them just like that, and it was set up and it's great and everything's working out, but it's it's. Being it's learning to be grateful mm-hmm. for the little things I believe that sets yeah. you up for the faith mm-hmm. to always believe that the bigger and the the dream or the hope, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And we may not get it. It may not be in God's plan for us. But how awesome is it to just be thankful for what we have,
1: mm-hmm.
0: everything that we are in that moment. I, I try and tell them, hey, when you wake up, be thankful. When we wake up, just be grateful that we are here.
1: Absolutely.
0: And give thanks for that. And it's it's just.
1: It's, it's awesome. It's, su- it's, so it's such a,
0: a beautiful yeah. thing. Up next, you're going to hear from Andrew Whitworth. You're listening to Faith on a Field show presented by International Justice Mission. Today, over 40 million people are being forced into trafficking and slavery. One in four are children. We cannot allow them to suffer in silence. We need you. We need everybody. Go to IJM.org backslash take action, get information, understand how you can be involved. Because of the work that you are committing to do, they will be free. Hi,
1: this is Remy Mahdi, co-host of Faith on a Fuel show. I am so excited to be a part of an amazing team at Weikert Realtors Exclusive Properties in Tampa and the surrounding areas. Real estate has been a passion of mine for several years. I love beautiful homes. I love beach homes. I love new homes. I just love helping you buy your dream home or sell the one you're in. So if you are already in this beautiful sunshine state or if you want to move to fabulous Florida, I'm your girl. Call me at 717-503-4924. Or email me at remymadi at gmail.com. That's R-E-M-Y-M-A-A-D-D-I at gmail.com.
0: Hi, this is Rob Motti. You've heard us talk about International Justice Mission and how they are working to protect people from human trafficking and violence. There's a new podcast that gives you a deep dive into IJM's work protecting children from online sexual exploitation. This immersive experience introduces you to Ruby, who was lured into online sexual exploitation when she was only 16 years old. Go to IJM.org slash Ruby to journey through her incredible story and learn how you can make protecting children like Ruby your fight, too. Thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate your time. You've been doing such a great job on Amazon Prime Video Thursday Night Football. Has that surprised you because it, it seems like you guys have been doing this for for years and it's your first year together.
2: You know what it's been a lot of fun. I, I think I'm I knew I was excited about doing it and I had a passion to keep staying involved in the game. I don't think I realized like I was gonna have this much fun. I mean being in the arena every week, just going stadium to stadium uh, around the staffs, the players, just the environment with the fans. And then also just our crew. It's, it's been uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I, I heard that it was you know, going to be a fun new chapter, but it's been way more fun than I thought I'd have. It's, I, I'm loving
0: it. How much did you know those guys, Fitz, Sherm, Tony, even Carissa, before you got together? Because as I said to them when I spoke, it seems like you, you guys have this great chemistry and you've just been put together for this short period of time.
2: Yeah, I think with Tony, I mean, I played against him as a, as a young, young player. Uh, you know, I got a chance. I think my very first NFL game was in Kansas City with the Bengals in 06, the season opener. So uh, knew him from afar, you know, basically, and, and always just obviously he was an amazing player. So a big fan of his game. And then, you know, over the years, when I moved out to LA, I got to know a lot of the Fox folks and different people there. And so I kind of met Carissa before and spent some time with her. And, and also Tony had been around some, some of his, we have some mutual friends. So we, that part, I kind of knew them a little bit. Sherman and I really outside of being opponents had never been around each other that much. I've had kind of some outside dealings. Like I used to be involved with the PA, not as much now. Um, But, you know, for over the years, we've been around each other, at some PA events, NFL PA stuff, but Outside of that, it was just respect, you know, for one another's games and how, you know, both of us leaders, captains, uh, good players for our football teams. And both of us have a lot of passion for that. Uh, So we've always had a mutual respect from that standpoint. And then Fitz and I actually played together. So in Cincinnati, we were together, you know, with the Bengals. And so I I knew Fitz really well and just uh, all the all the things that make him really special and the Fitz magic and everything else. I was probably there at the beginning of all of that. Uh, I have some fun stories about Ryan, just playing with him and being around him. So, you know, it's it's been cool, though. I think you you kind of know people a little bit or a little bit about them. But really for our group, how fast it's gelled and how much fun we have together. And just it kind of seems like we've been doing it forever, even though, you know, it's a new start. I mean, there's obviously rookie moments and things where you are like, oh, man, I don't know how to, you know, we do this or how do you go about this? But just our relationship has felt like we've been together for a lot longer than just these six, seven months.
0: You know, about half the NFL played with Fitz, so that's uh, very yeah. common. Very every common week, I, mean, yeah.
2: I get tired of I get tired of being in the new, you know, the home of Fitz every week. It's like it feels like every week, everywhere we go, it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick's home.
0: <laughs> How much does it help that you know? I know you guys spend a lot of time together off the set, getting to know each other, sharing whether it's parenting advice or anything else. How much do you think that helps, and that translates into the success into what we're seeing on air?
2: I think it's a huge part. I mean, myself being somebody who culture and and those kind of things as a player was always the most important thing to me, how we do things, how we approach it, the way we treat each other, the respect level in our building when I was a player was always something I was a huge protector of and meant a lot to me. And so I think even in this, this facet of life, like especially even more so the conversation and the ability to communicate with each other off the air only leads to a better product on it. I mean, for us to be able to share things about our families and our kids and who we are as people, I think it helps when we're up there talking, discussing topics to kind of know where each one of us is coming from and what really the basis of maybe our message is that we're trying to get across so that we can not only maybe argue against or help each other get that point out or, you know, all right, I understand where you're coming from. Let me explain where I'm coming from. I think just having that dialogue, it's been amazing to me like how many times something will happen on air or a conversation that I'm like. Man, Richard and I just had this conversation, you know, two hours ago, and it's funny now it's come up and here we are we're on air having the same conversation. Or we, you know, Fitz and I have talked about this two days ago on the phone, and so it's just interesting how much that happens, and you really don't realize that that natural conversation and just that relationship, how important it is.
0: What do you think was the biggest challenge for you at first when you first came in and moving right from the field, right from winning a Super Bowl to getting into the broadcast booth studio? Uh, where you guys are? What, what was the toughest thing at first?
2: I think just always, you know, making sure that you, you don't look at, uh, I think in, just like in sports, right? I mean, as a receiver or, or, or a DB or, a, you know, anybody's collecting stats, quarterbacks, D linemen, like linebackers and tackles, you you have a tendency to look at what other people are doing or maybe where, where they're getting their, making their hay or whatever. And you're like, Hey, you know, like how do I get my space or how do I get this opportunity? And really realizing that each individual role is so different. And so it's really like, how do you be yourself, be authentic to who you are and really share your knowledge and what you're passionate about in the game of football. And don't worry about how it compares to other people or maybe the space that somebody does or doesn't have to talk about it. Because I think that's the toughest thing is you you start worrying about trying to get points across instead of just what it is that you're passionate about. And, and I think that's when it becomes off more authentic and it relates because majority of the time when I talk to fans or I talk to buddies of mine that love to watch uh, different sports shows and, you know, even my wife and some of her friends, just what they say is like, they want to see people who love what they do. They have a passion for what they do. And do they remember every little point and every little stat? Like not really, but they kind of understand where you're coming from and what you're trying to get across and maybe the, the attitude and the charisma you have to do it. And that's really what they walk away from. And I think to me in life, you, you, you remember people you meet, you know, less about what they say is more of like when you walk up and say hello to someone, that handshake, that hello, the greeting, the, the appreciation they have for just saying hello to you. That's what you remember. And I think TV is not that much different. When you decide to go with the hoodie look. Uh, it's been something I've always worn hoodies like my whole career like if I'm at practice if I'm at workout I mean I'm always Cooper Cup used to make fun of me I mean I would find a way to have a hoodie on at all times I, I just I've always loved wearing hoodies I think it's the big old neck and just uh, you know looking awkward in, in collared shirts sometimes probably made me just self-conscious but I've always enjoyed it and and so when I started thinking about being on air um, it's not that I can't rock a collared shirt and dress up nice I mean I, I'd love to do that too but one of the things we were talking with our, you know, our people that kind of help us pick that out and wardrobes and stuff um, was just being authentic to who you are. And if that's who you're really comfortable being uh, we want to do that. That's something, you know, that I think NFL and prime was like, Hey, we want guys to just kind of wear, you know, we don't want to do what everybody else does. We want you to just be authentic to who you are. And so uh, there, I was like, well, listen, if you want to be authentic, I mean, I love wearing hoodies and sports coats. I love to go to like, if I go to dinner with my wife or something, I always put a hoodie on and some kind of jacket uh, that's just my style. and so. Uh, they were like, let's do it. And it went off. It's great. I mean, I loved every week getting like the positive and the negative feedback, <laughs> right? It's like so extreme. It almost cracks you up that people even care that much. But you would get people that just hate it. And then you get a bunch of people that love it. And so it's it's so interesting uh, that people really pay attention to that more than you'd ever think, you know, what you're wearing when you're sitting up there.
0: Yeah, and people aren't afraid to let you know when they hate something on Twitter. That's for sure. They they flex those keyboard Muscles and do you find yourself with watching? Do you analyze like post after a show? Do, do you watch your performance? Do you ever go back and go, I, I could have done this, or it's just move on to the next week and, and get feedback from uh, the studio and, and other people higher ups?
2: I think really the only time I may do that is if I feel like I might have stumbled through a word or I didn't clearly say something. I don't like to just randomly go back and watch them all unless I feel like there's a reason. Now, I was the same way as a player. Um, I think every person's different. There's some people that need to go back and see every word and see every clip and get a feel for how it went. Um, I think for me, unless there's something just glaring, I need to go look at. I was always somebody as a player. I'll never forget Paul Alexander, my first offensive line coach, who's in Cincinnati for forever and is now you know still involved with the game in a bunch of different ways. He used to always say that one of the rarest traits that I had is that after my first one-on-one pass rush with him when I was a rookie. He was like, I've never seen somebody who could walk away from a snap that just happened in a matter of two, you know, two, three seconds. And you told me verbatim, like every single motion your body made, every mistake you made, where your hand was, where your foot was. Like you had a feel that I've never seen before that you could tell me you don't even need a tape. Like you could tell me every single thing that happened and it happened in a flash. And so I think for me, I think it's because in my mind, I want to be able to feel what I feel like is coming off genuine, what's not, how I communicated something or didn't. And so it's not necessarily I need to go back and watch it. I, I kind of like I want to have a feel for it in the moment so that I can correct it on my own. If I feel like I'm not being clear, or I'm not being authentic to me. And so, yeah, I don't really go back that much unless it's stuff that I just think glaring or, hey, I had a big point I wanted to make. Let me go look if I actually made it or it was clear.
0: Was there a moment? Maybe early on in, in in the season where you felt like you were on set or you you were on air or whatever it was and you felt like yeah I really belong here like I I got this I I can do this job.
2: Yeah, I think I've learned it a couple of ways. Um, one was when I when we had our kind of our you know not our mock game but a practice game in the preseason we did the Houston Texans Niners and that was really my first time uh, to set on be on a set and, and talk like that. And I've always told people what's really different is. When you're a quarterback, or even like somebody like Richard Sherman, like a famous defensive player, or Tony Gonzalez a Hall of Fame football player, or Carissa, obviously in her career, has done everything. You you basically are in the media all the time. You're at a press conference, you're standing up behind a microphone, like there's cameras everywhere. When you're at O Lyman, like my version of the media is like somebody with a tape recorder. And and the whole locker room's cleared, and it's just just me and the one tape recorder person asking me a couple questions. Like, there's no pressure, no stress, and nobody, you know, really cares that much unless you say something that's flashy that they can use. So, I had zero – like, when you talk about being raw and zero experience, I literally have zero experience. I mean, I think my biggest press conference ever was the day I retired. I'm not even sure I ever had one outside of that. So, I can't remember really actually having a press conference ever before. So, I was literally brand new. So to get up there and do it, I had a lot of fun. Um, and I realized like, man, that was fun. It was exhilarating. It was in the, in the arena of the stadium. Uh, I really enjoy this. And I think the the first time I learned though, was really, I did some audition stuff for Fox uh, maybe a couple of years ago, like calling a mock game kind of broadcaster stuff instead of analyst. And I felt like in that moment I had no idea what I was walking into and I had no idea what even at that point just being honest like I don't even think I paid attention to what broadcasters really do or like that just was the farthest thing they just kind of threw it out there and I was like sure I'll go do it I would never had any training or anything and I felt like not necessarily that it was bad but that when I walked out of it I was like god I was not myself at all like if anything that was like me trying to be what I guess I perceived as a broadcaster like just a bunch of statistics and like trying to memorize things. And uh, I just felt like, man, if I ever get a shot again, I'm just going to literally be who I am, uh, who cares about like the other stuff, like trying to be whatever a broadcaster is. And so um, I think that that lesson taught me if I get another chance and and it's for real, I'm just going to be me. And and I'm going to be authentic to that and my passions and what I care about. And I'll let it rip from there.
0: Well, you said earlier, you have some great Ryan Fitzpatrick stories, so I can't let you go without giving me a Fitz magic story. Is there a favorite one that sticks out to you that you, that you want to share?
2: I think with Fitz, you know, he's, uh, he's one of those guys, obviously he's a Harvard guy, he's incredibly intelligent. Um, and he's a lot of fun. Everyone knows he's witty and he's funny, but I I'll never forget our first experience really with him in, in Cincinnati, he was the backup quarterback to Carson Palmer. And so, in the old NFL, when you played in the preseason all the time uh, in every game, the, the the starting O-line would always play the fourth preseason game with the backup quarterback. And usually the coach would say, hey, look, you guys, you're going to play one series, two series with him. If you score, you get to get out of the game. Or if you just go out there, you know, that kind of deal, 14 plays, something like that. Well, Marvin Lewis in, in that week would say, hey, look, we're going to put Fitz in there so that you guys get used to him. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what happens on the drive. Just go out there, take a couple of snaps and series with them, just see how communicate. It's three and out it is. But just get some plays in, and then you guys can get off the field. And and the, by the time you're at the end of training camp in the fourth game, you just want to get out of the pads, off the pads, take a week, take a couple of days, get ready for the season, and get locked in. So the last thing you want is a big drive in the preseason and the last preseason game. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick ran for a first down on like third and six. Maybe six times in a row. It felt like it was a 17-play drive. And this guy's out there just battling, being Fitzmagic. He's breaking tackles, diving for first downs. And the entire time, the starting O-line, it was a big veteran group at that time. I was the young guy. They are just so angry. Like, just throw the ball away. Just throw it in. Come, who cares? It's the fourth preseason game. We just want to get off the field. And this dude was being Fitzmagic. I mean, he literally drove us all the way down the field. I think it was 13, 15 plays, scored a touchdown. He's obviously just going crazy. And we are all like, man, I wanted off this field 10 minutes ago. I think it was like an eight, 10 minute play drive. And it just, it, that's just him. Like, he's just such a competitor that that's all he wanted to do is score with that group. And I think all of us were thinking, let's get off this football field. Uh, but I, I'll never forget that moment with him, man. He's always been one of those guys that he set the tone when he was behind, back there. And uh, he's been a lot of fun to work with now as well.
0: Man, that's a great story. Wait. Has it surprised you what's happened with the Rams since you left and, and what's going on with that team now? Obviously off to a very difficult start. Now they lose Cooper Cup for a while. and. Uh, you know how how can you pinpoint like what would you say what's going on what's happened there
2: yeah I think if you really look at it I mean a lot of people will dig deep for a lot of different narratives and things but the NFL has always held true to this when you have these seasons where you can't keep people healthy and you can't put out the people that you intended to start the season with uh, you're in a lot of trouble and so when you take a team like the Rams who literally they did go all in the last couple of years. They were trading picks. They were going for big players and then rewarding those players with big contracts. You're now living in a world where you almost have to be perfect health wise because your big time players are getting paid, but the rest of the guys are guys that you've either drafted or they have little experience and they haven't earned that next contract yet. So. They're a, a big part of your roster, and so for them to have all the injuries they've had, they don't have the money to go dive out there and go, all right, let's 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 bring in so-and-so and pay them something to come play here. We've got to keep going with who can play for the league minimum, who can we bring up for practice squad. You don't have any immediate ways to fix things, right? You've seen teams like they lose a guy, all right, let's find a way to go trade for somebody or let's go pick up a guy that's on the street that maybe he's asking for more money than people want to give him. I think Dwayne Brown, great example, right? Nobody paid him in free agency. Jets had the money to say, hey, look, Dwayne Brown's available. Let's go grab him. Well, the Rams could never in their lives write that check. I mean, there's no way they could do it. They don't have the room. So they don't have an ability to fix things immediately. So it's all next guy up. Well, then when you turn around now, they're going to go 10 weeks, 10 different starting O-line groups. I mean, that's almost unheard of. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. I know they went nine for nine, but now they just lost two more guys this week. Um, So it's going to be crazy. They're going to be down to guys who might not even made the roster are now the starters the rest of the season. And you're going to have a tough time being good, especially the way they were built. And I think people would ask, why is that? Well, some teams are built to run the football and they're built with a lot of tight ends, different packages that they run the football. Like, hey, hey, if we can't throw it, we'll run it. The Rams didn't do that. This offseason, they said, look, we're going to bring in Allen Robinson. We're not going to really bring in any tight ends. We're going to lose one in Johnny Munt. And we are just going to rely on Matthew Stafford, our quarterback, and our receivers throwing the football on people and playing good defense. And when you lose your line, you can't protect the quarterback. You can't just jump into being a running team all of a sudden because they didn't build their roster that way. So they're in the worst case scenario for them. They would have rather lost receivers or somebody else than lose linemen because the only way they are built is protect the quarterback. Because defensively, they're still a top 10 defense and playing really well. They just have no ability to move the football down the field because they're not really built to run it.
0: What you were there when they won the Super Bowl, but before that, you were also named the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And I talked to a lot of guys who are even just nominated, and They talk about how great of a, an accomplishment, achievement that is to even be recognized in that way. What did it mean for you to to be able to be viewed in in that light?
2: Well, again, I mean, going back to being an old lineman, you're just not used to it, right? I mean, it's it's a very uh, different thing. I mean, much like sitting on that desk for Amazon in, in the preseason. I mean. Standing on that stage that Thursday night for the Super Bowl, I think, as an O lineman, that's that's the first time I've ever been to one of those events, much less been on the stage for it. So, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you almost just want to shout out to the O line guys right before you get started. But yeah, I, honestly, I think over the years, I think I've been nominated four or five times, and um, it had been just so cool to me to just be in that that conversation because. When I Every year I got nominated, I would read the 31 other guys and just how inspirational it was to keep pushing the envelope and keep believing and making a difference because I think it gave me so much pride about the league I play in, how special the guys are that play in it. I mean, not only do they vote themselves, take on a lot of risks with their bodies and the devotion they have to their football teams and their families and providing for them, but then they give of themselves and their time and their money and they invest in their communities and i've always said i mean i just challenge other walks of life how many are like athletes i mean professional athletes who gives up more money and time and investment in communities i mean you think about it's almost something we require of athletes i mean it's like they need to be involved in the community they play in and be a part of it and to see how many guys like are so invested and want to make a difference it's always so inspiring to me. So when it came to last year, them kind of saying, Hey, you should come to the event. There's a chance like you're, you're going to win it. Uh, t- I was just like, I was blown away because it's like, I've just been in awe of all these guys and they've kind of helped push me to keep pushing the envelope myself. And um, I thought it was a lot of fun when I signed back to come back to another year with the Rams Uh, I told Molly Higgins, you know, our VP of community relations and stuff, just that like, hey, if I sign this deal, I'm signing it purposely to like some of we're going to try and make a huge difference this year. And so we started some really cool initiatives and, you know, just built off the things we've been doing years before. And It was just an unbelievable honor to get up there and represent a lot of guys and a lot of people, uh, a lot of men and women that are involved in the league and making a difference in every community of every NFL city and abroad. Uh, to be a representation of that and that mo that passion and that movement to make a difference uh, was an honor I'll never forget. The Super Bowl was really cool and it's an amazing thing. Uh, but standing on that stage and being a representative of that uh, is something I think that I'll have a lot of a lot of pride and, and a lot of great feelings about for a long time.
0: How has your faith fueled you, inspired you to give back in that way, to use your platform to to help others, to serve other people?
2: Well, I think it's really about perspective. I mean, to me, you know, you think about life and what you're trying to get out of it. I think to me, I know I've been blessed to be where I am and that uh, I don't uh, deserve or uh, have some particular reason that I'm important enough to have any of these things. And so I want to make sure people know that uh, they might know me as a football player. They might know me as a great one. They might be mad at me because I was on the wrong team, whatever it is that they know me by uh that the most important thing they know is that I care about them and I love them and that uh I don't care where you're from, what your walk of life is, like what you know, what color skin you have, your zip code, anything about you. The only thing I care about is that you, you know, hopefully uh realize I care about you and I want to help you get to where it is you're trying to get to. I mean, I know for me in my life, uh there's been so many ways that my faith has helped me in believing in myself and giving me the ability to to take the next step when I didn't deserve it or I made a mistake and I've been forgiven for it. I just want people to realize like you might mess up one day, but tomorrow's a new day and and you already have the opportunity to chase your dreams. And if I can be there along the way to say, Hey, in any way I can put out a hand or, or sit beside you, just listen to you or hug you or give you support in some way I'm in and just tell me what it is I can do for you. Or maybe it's just sitting beside you in a moment and walking along beside you as you go through something. But I just want people to know that. And I think to me, I've had people do that in my life, and I just would be, be disappointed in myself if I didn't return the favor and make sure that life was about more than just me. It's about living it with the people I live it with, and that's what makes life so much better. I mean, that's what makes communities special. That's what makes teams special, businesses, anything you talk about in life. it's We really always go back to our ability to pull together and to pull that circle tighter and believe in one another, and, and that's really what special movement is. And so I want to be a part of that. Uh, not on the wrong side of it.
0: Wait, I appreciate you, man. Thank you uh, for all you've done. And, and uh, keep up that great, just phenomenal work on, on Thursday Night Football. So I look forward to seeing more of you and wish you a ton of blessings.
2: I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rob.
0: That's it for this week. Thank you to Andrew Whitworth. Thank you to Doug, Pastor Scott, and everyone on our team. And thank you for listening to Faith on a Field Show, presented by International Justice Mission. For Remy, I'm Rob Motte, reminding you, make a difference be a blessing. Hey, this is Rob Mahdi. Online sexual exploitation of children is a hidden crime and it's time we expose it. A new immersive podcast tells the story of Ruby who was trafficked into this crime when she was 16 years old. The podcast takes the listener through Ruby's journey and what's being done to fight this terrible crime. Check it out at IJM. Dot org slash ruby since 1930 the heritage family has proudly served the communities of south jersey from humble roots heritage's dairy stores now operates 33 convenient locations their desire is to become your convenience store of choice not just because of their welcoming atmosphere but because of their fresh quality products Heritage's milk is still the sweetest, coffee's hot and fresh, and Heritage's full-service delis offer the best local ingredients prepared and sliced on-site, far exceeding the competition. Heritage's dairy stores. It's not just our name, it's our heritage.